Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. As we're reminded as we celebrate Palm Sunday and as we look forward to Easter, I encourage you to, uh, out in the foyer at the Welcome Center, there are some cards that you can take and invite uh, family, friends, neighbors, workmates to come join as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our services, 9 and 10.30 next Sunday. And uh, there will be a continental breakfast in between as we celebrate what Jesus has done. And I trust that you will, uh, you will be here and that you will uh, invite others to join with us as we celebrate the resurrection next Sunday. And on Thursday, we have our Seder dinner. And so there's more information in the foyer about that. Encourage you, families are welcome to join with that. On Thursday, information on the website, in the bulletin, and uh, out in the foyer as we celebrate the resurrection of our Christ, but celebrate Easter week. So Thursday, 5.30 is the Seder dinner, and then Sunday morning as we celebrate the resurrection. Let's pray and prepare our hearts this morning. Father, as we come before you, may we be encouraged in Jesus Christ. May we recognize the incredible example that you have given to us. Lord, forgiveness of sins, but an example of how to live. And as we continue to look at your word this morning, may nothing distract us from the principles that you would have for us. May we recognize the importance of living lives that reflect on your love, your grace, as we live our lives in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're currently in the workforce, I want you to ask yourself the question, why do you work? All right, now there's some pretty basic answers. In fact, there's one that uh, a bumper sticker and other signs that show it. It's sort of a play off of the uh, song by Seven Short People. And it's this. It's coming. There we go. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Right? Now, you have jokes about work. If uh, you have a boss, you have jokes about your boss. And we work, you know, just to pay the bills. If, if you work Monday to Friday, what's the common attitude? We dread Mondays and can't wait for the weekend. Alright, so you're, you're wondering why you're here this morning, because another test here. So we have a picture, see if you can uh, tell me who this is. There we go. Anybody know who that is? Younger people, I apologize, he died in 2003. But this is a guy, his name was Donald Eugene Lytle. And you say, uh, that doesn't help me. Well, he later changed his name to Johnny Paycheck. And uh, he died in 2003, but he was most famous for his song. Anybody remember the song that he was famous for? Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. All right, and we, uh, 
we sing and we, uh, we laugh at the song and, and maybe you uh, feel like that message to that song fits you. But as we continue in 1 Peter, we see in 1 Peter chapter 2 beginning in verse 18 that Peter shares some important lessons concerning our character in the workplace. And we see in, in verse 18 the principle. 1 Peter 2.18 says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Now before we compare this to how we should live if we were in the workforce, let's take a step back and see what the circumstances were of the people that Peter was writing to. We need to understand those circumstances to better apply it to our lives. Half or more than half of the Roman Empire were slaves. In fact, many say up to two-thirds of the Roman Empire were slaves. They were considered property. They had very little, if any, possessions. And there was no recourse if they were mistreated. Here are some quotes of the words of the people at that time. You're probably familiar with the name Aristotle. This is what Aristotle said. Aristotle said, a slave is a living tool and a tool is an inanimate slave. A guy named Varro, who was a well-known Roman nobleman at the time, said this, the only thing that distinguishes a slave from a beast or a cart is that a slave can talk. Now their situation was often miserable. And slavery is horrendous. But Peter was writing to a group of people who were facing this each and every day. And many of the recipients of his letter there that were, that were going through were slaves themselves. And Peter challenges them to submit. The word that Peter used for master is a word from which we get despot. Now as Peter says here, that some, were, some of these masters were, as he put it, good and gentle. The words mean upright, considerate, fair. But others were harsh. And the word literally means crooked. They were brutal and cruel. But Peter says that we are to submit with all fear. The word's not speaking of terror, of being afraid, but rather of showing respect. And they were to show respect to their, in their case, for many of them owners. For our case, our boss. And this submission with all fear was to be without bitterness. Now, we can follow orders with a bad attitude, but, but God calls us more than just to follow the orders, but rather to do it with a godly attitude. And he goes on in the next verses and, and shares a little more about what that will look like in verses 19 through the beginning of verse 21. It says, For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, for to this you were called. 
verse 19 reminds us that, that our work is more than just a way to earn a paycheck. We're to honor God in the way that we work. A recent survey found that American workers admitted to goofing off 20% of the time. Now think about that. If they do a five-day work week, that's one out of five days. And that's how much they admitted to. I don't know if you're like me and people ask me, how, how much do I goof off at work? I would have a tendency to give a lower number than is probably accurate. I want to give myself the benefit of the doubt. And even in giving themselves the benefit of the doubt in this, in this survey, one out of five or 20%. There's a sign in a business in San Francisco I read about. It says, if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, you should get here five minutes before closing time. So we celebrate the resurrection next Sunday. That caught my attention. But I remember working at Lee and Dad's Grocery in Belgrade. And, and it was amazing. Two times that the work picked up. When they thought the boss was around and when it was just about ready to time to close, they'd sort of get that extra burst of energy. As followers of Christ, we're to work differently. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5-8 through 8 says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. See, we're not doing it for men. We're doing it for Christ. We're not doing it to look good. We're doing it out of a godly heart. It goes on in verse 7, "...with good will, doing services to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free." We have a responsibility to be diligent in our work. No matter our position, no matter our pay, no matter the amount of time we think we're going to spend there, we need to be diligent and godly in our work habits. And Peter goes on here in, in verse 20, and he shares that it's natural to be punished when we don't do the job. And, and as he writes, it says you'll be beaten for your faults. We don't like to look at it that way, but for those people, that was a literal occurrence. If as a slave, they were not working the way that the master thought they should work. They were literally beaten. But, when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. We're to be willing to face suffering for doing right. And we still respond with a godly attitude and godly actions. We look at Old Testament heroes, Daniel, Joseph, David, many others who stood out for suffering. As they faced that suffering, doing the right thing. Verse 21 goes on to say, For this you were called. We're called to follow a suffering Savior. A difficult job can do several things in our lives. It can shape us. It can humble us. It can keep us dependent upon God. 
Now, is there, no, is there anything wrong with looking for another job if this one is, is hard or miserable? No, there's nothing wrong with that. But while you're working there, be diligent in your work. And you say, but you don't know how little I'm paid. Guess what? Peter's not saying, so you need to respond with diligence if the pay is right. He says, you respond with diligence. You say, but my, ma- my boss is horrible. Guess what Peter says? Good and gentle or harsh. It makes no difference. You work hard. And that difficult job that you may be in can shape you. can shape a godly character. It will humble you. And it will definitely keep you dependent upon God. And so as we looked at last week, our response to authorities, to government, now this week our response to our boss, whether good or bad, our response isn't affected by the character of that person that we are under their authority or we are working for, it is based upon our relationship with God. And then Peter goes on, and you may look at this and you say, this seems like he's just taking a a strange detour because then he starts talking about Jesus. He starts talking about our suffering Savior. Why does he do that? Well, a reminder of our forgiveness, but also an example for us to follow. And we see our example beginning in the last part of verse 21. The last part of verse 21 says, Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. In these final verses of chapter 2, we see some various ways that, that we are to follow the example of Christ. Remember as a kid when you used to try to follow in your dad's footsteps? And, and the hard part was, you know, growing up, people think Montana, you know, snow up to the eaves in the winter, we won't tell them differently or they'll all show up. But I remember sitting there and my dad, much bigger than me, and I'm trying to jump from step to step. But we're to follow Christ's footsteps. We are to follow in His steps. And Peter shares some ways that we're to follow Christ's example in the workplace as well as in all areas of our lives. We see in verses 22 and 23, don't seek revenge. Verse 22 begins, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Verse 22 is a quote from Isaiah chapter 53. Reviled, that term in the Greek means to be verbally abused. But Jesus did not retaliate. Remember as as we think of Easter week and as He was standing before Pilate and these false accusations were, were given toward Him. Pilate was amazed that that Jesus did not strike back or speak back. But he held his silence. And then as Jesus was 
put on the cross. Some of those same people that as we celebrate Palm Sunday were there saying, Hosanna, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Just a few days later, were part of the crowd that was shouting, crucify Him, crucify Him. And part of the group that, that chose to, to let Barabbas, that horrible man, go rather than Jesus when Pilate gave them the choice. What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them. You see, our natural response is to get even. If you're in the workplace and you have a, a bad boss, you're going to say, I'm going to show him. I'm going to teach him or her a lesson. But God desires that we respect and honor that person that's been put in authority over. Peter challenges us to do that without seeking revenge. Verse 23 closes, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And Jesus committed himself to his Father. There's an old hymn it says he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. But oh, when I'm mistreated, I want to get even. Yeah, I'll give a good day's work when I'm given a good day's pay. When my workmate or my boss treats me poorly, what goes around comes around. I'm going to give it back. And oftentimes we almost take pride in that. <laughs> I'm just standing up for my rights. But Peter's talking about something completely different. Instead he says, you're to be willing to suffer in order to represent Christ well. The Apostle Paul talks about this also in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 17, he says this, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. When it says that He committed Himself to Him who judges righteously, in other words, Jesus Christ stood back or took back, was not willing to seek revenge when He was mistreated while here on earth. That term committed is in the imperfect tense. And that's very important because it means something that takes place over and over and over again. I must be willing to be mistreated in order to honor God in the way I live. And then 
he goes on another way that we're to follow Christ's example in verse 24, and that's to love extravagantly. Verse 24 says, Who himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Again, throughout these last verses here in chapter 2, he's referring several times to Isaiah chapter 53. A prophecy of the coming and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus, as the ultimate example, was willing to give His life as a sacrifice for our sins. But we're to follow His example in how we love. The term bore here when Jesus bore our sins means to carry a massive weight. And by His stripes, Isaiah 53.5, His sacrifice provided healing for our souls. Spiritual healing. As we sang about death to death that we have life. Now, we can't provide salvation for others. We can't provide salvation for ourselves. The best that we have fails in God's standard or God's requirement and we need Christ's sacrifice. But... We're to follow Christ's example by loving extravagantly. Even loving those people who don't demonstrate love toward us. And then he goes on in verse 25 and, and shares another example of Christ that we're to follow, and that's to display patience. Verse 25 says, For you were like sheep going astray. Again, Isaiah 53, this is verse 6. But have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. God has displayed great patience with us. And we are to display patience with others. Peter, who wrote this, had a very vivid example of that given to him as he was speaking with Jesus while Jesus was here on earth and Peter, one of the disciples. Remember when Peter said, Lord, how many times do I forgive? Do I forgive seven times? Now, you have to understand what was taking place in this conversation that Peter was having with Jesus. In the, in the Jewish rules or customs, they were to forgive someone three times. And Peter was sort of, you know, really trying to... He was impressed with himself. I mean, he was going more than double the requirement. And I'm sure he was waiting for Jesus to say, oh, Peter, you're amazing. Gold star for you today, Peter. But what did Jesus say? Not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, I know you mathematicians in here adding that. Okay, that's or multiplying that. That's 490. Okay, 491. I'm free. No, the idea was if you're counting to 490, you're not forgiving. And Jesus is saying, Peter, we're to always forgive. Ephesians 4.32 we are to forgive others as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. And so that boss or that workmate mistreats you. 
As a follower of Jesus Christ, our response needs to be forgiveness, not revenge. It needs to be love, not repaying evil for evil. But it's hard, isn't it? I want to do what's best for me. And yes, there's times when it's unfair. And if you have recourse, you need to you can graciously look toward that. But we need to recognize that we are called to honor God in the way that we respond. And my first thought is here, and, and I've been so blessed with great bosses, but my first response, if I'm in a bad situation and I'm treated unfairly, my first response is, all right, I'm going to get even. But that's not what God calls me to do. But it is a battle. With that in mind, I want us to think of a few reminders that help us to do this better. Number one, appreciate the fact that you have a job and the provision that it gives. may not be as much provision as you want it to be. Thank God for what you have. Also, understand that your job is much more than simply earning a living. Wherever I work, I need to recognize that I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And I am, as Colossians 3 says and Ephesians 6 says, I'm not working for men, but I am representing and working for God. And I need to do that. I need to recognize and remember that I am working for God. And so how I act and how I react should be a response to my relationship with Him. And then also reflect on the fact that you are not in your current situation by chance. God has you there for a reason. And allow God to use your circumstance to help you grow and to help you reflect His love. James chapter 1. What does it say about trials? Trials bring maturity in our lives. And if you're like me, and I think you are, think about the times where you have grown most in your faith, grown most in your character. It's the times when things were tough. And God can be using that to mold you to be more like Jesus Christ. And that is our ultimate goal, to be more like 
Jesus Christ. That's why we are here. To reflect Him to a world that needs to see that. And I guarantee you, whether it's a boss or a workmate that mistreats us, mistreats you, when you respond in a godly manner, people will notice. And we're called to do that. As followers of Christ, we should be the most diligent workers. No matter our position, no matter where or what, what takes place or where we are in the pecking order of the company, we need to follow Christ's example demonstrating patience, forgiveness, and diligence as we trust God. You know, I ran across as I was studying Johnny Paycheck, and I, I was familiar with that song because I'm older than some of you here. But uh, anyway, uh, I tried to do a little background and make sure I had some facts about Johnny Paycheck, and I, and I just accidentally came across this quote from Johnny Paycheck because he was one of the people that was known as the rebels. He and Willie Nelson and... Uh, few others that were famous in country music in the late 1900s, early 2000s. But uh, here is this quote from bon bon uh, Johnny Paycheck. I'm a man who believes that right is right and wrong is wrong. Now, if he would have stopped there, that was good. But unfortunately, he went on. And he says this, treat me right, and I will give you my all. Still pretty good. But unfortunately, he kept going. Treat me wrong, and I will give you nothing. He was doing so well. But guess what? That's not what God calls us to do. Treat me right and I will give you my all. Treat me wrong and I will still honor God by giving you my all. That's what God calls us to do. If you're here and you have a wonderful boss or maybe you work for yourself and you question your boss, but anyway, you still uh, you don't have to uh, live under a harsh boss. Thank God for that. But if your boss is cruel, maybe it's one instance or maybe it's a <laughs> continual thing, yeah, you may want to look for a different job. But whether you're going to be there for another day or for the rest of your working life, Honor God in the way you work and the way you respond. That's what God calls us to do. 
And as we close this morning, I want us to take a couple minutes and and step back and look at verses 24 and 25 from a little different perspective. As we celebrate Palm Sunday, and many times on Palm Sunday we have a Palm Sunday message. Next week it will be Easter, and it will be an Easter message, and I'm excited. We're going to look at Easter from Peter's perspective. Since we've been studying 1 Peter, we're going to look at the resurrection, but we're going to look at it from Peter's eyes. But as we think of Palm Sunday, verse 24 is a great reminder of why we celebrate this week. Who in His own body bore our sins on the cross. By His stripes, we are healed. And His stripes we are healed doesn't mean that if we're sick, we'll automatically be well. But it's talking about our soul. And if you're here this morning and you've never had a time in your life when you've prayed and asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, you haven't accepted that extravagant love that God has given for you. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Through me, Jesus speaking. He is our only hope. Theme for next Sunday, hope lives because of Jesus Christ. Hope lives. And if you're here this morning, you've never accepted that gift of salvation, that forgiveness of sins. Today would be a great day to do that. And in just a minute, we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you, if you have never done that, to, as we pray, as we close, to silently pray and simply say, Father, I am a sinner. I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins, and I accept that gift of salvation and that forgiveness that you have provided through your Son. Please forgive me and be my Savior. That's what God calls for us to do. But I don't want to stop at verse 24. I want to also mention verse 25. We talked about the patience that we're to have with others, including our boss. But Jesus pictured that as the patience. In the end of verse 20, or at the end of verse 25, he gives a great picture of that, of waiting for us. And it's really a picture that, that's shown in the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, if you remember the story from the Gospels, the son that asked for his inheritance, wanted to get away from home, live on his own, enjoy life. He went out. He spent everything he had. Life became miserable. And finally, he went back to see his father. And what happened? His father was waiting for him with open arms. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you've trusted Christ as your Savior. But right now you may be running from Him. Maybe you're giving Him parts of your life, but there's areas that you're just holding on to yourself. As we pray, I want you to silently consider if there's some things that you need to confess. And you need to give back to God. You've trusted Him as your Savior. But as life has gone on, there are some things that you're just holding on to. He is waiting with open arms for both the person who's never asked for forgiveness and the person who's struggling with following Him. Let's pray. Father, as we consider our lives, we are so grateful for Your provision. Lord, help us to be a, a godly employee, a godly boss, a godly retired person, wherever we are, whatever stage of life, whatever position we have, help us to honor You. This morning, for those in this room watching online that have never given their lives to Jesus Christ, I pray that this morning they would pray and, and ask You to forgive their sins to be their Savior. For those of us who have trusted you, if there's areas of our lives that we're, that we're holding on to, that we've taken back, that we, we don't give to you, Lord, help us to confess, to repent, to change directions. And Lord, as we celebrate Easter week, your entrance into Jerusalem leading to trials and the cross but ultimately victory over death and the resurrection. Help us to focus on you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.